0: The Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves, is part of the battery power. Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a great start to your Thursday. Of course, you can find the Daily Hammer, the Battery Power Podcast, the Road to Atlanta Podcast, and the podcast to be named later all at BatteryPower.com, at Battery Power, SVN across all forms of social media, and free on all podcast platforms. Wherever you choose to listen, that's where we'll be for free just make sure you hit that subscribe button and you'll get the latest content when it when it is available. And I can tell you it, 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 the truth is nearly every day you're gonna get some great new content from the Battery Power Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman. You can find me at Stats SEC on Twitter. When it comes to the Braves, here's the latest from Atlanta. And the latest is this: the Braves are hopefully the Braves are have made the playoffs now for five straight seasons. Hopefully, they'll be able to make it five straight NL East division crowns once the regular season is all said and done. And, you know, Scott Coleman of the Battery Power podcast brought up a great point yesterday, and I agree with him. This probably is the most talented version of the Braves in terms of the regular season that we've seen, perhaps that... Deepest, at least, uh, when it comes to the, the starters. You can make a case that perhaps the 2019 team was was on the level of this team. But in terms of regular season success, the 2019 team won 97 games. This team has already won 93. The point that I'm getting at is this has been a special regular season. And it's going to be defined for many things. Austin Riley establishing himself as one of the best hitters in the majors. Obviously, the the historical rookie success of Michael Harris and Spencer Strider. You know, there are many positive things, obviously, about this regular season. But if there's one glaring weakness, if there's one glaring negative, it's, again, the fact that the Braves just have struggled and continued to struggle When it comes to series finales that happen to be day games as well, you could point to the Sunday, the struggles on Sunday games. There's been multiple times this year, maybe seven, eight, nine, ten times this year, where the Braves have just delivered a lackluster performance in a series finale that happens to be during the day. And that unfortunately occurred again on Wednesday. The Braves got out to a 2-0 lead, but unfortunately, just some wild and wacky happenings led to the Nationals being able to come back, gain a 3-2 lead, and the Braves were not able to overcome it. And I know that it may be disappointing, especially with the fact that the Mets lost 6-0 to the Brewers, and, and the Braves remain one game behind the Mets in the NL East. But these things do happen. As I mentioned, they, the, how they're happening are far too often the same thing for the Braves. Again, the series finale that happens to be a day game, the Braves just inexplicably have had troubles in those scenarios this year. But every now and then, no matter how good a team is, and, and the Braves have literally been the best team in baseball record-wise over the past four months, sometimes you're just going to have these things happen. And that's unfortunately what happened on Wednesday. Thankfully, again, the Mets lost. So the Braves not have not lost any ground. They remain one game behind the Mets after what was a very successful homestand. You know, after a struggling, you know, after some struggles on the road, they were four and four out west. They come back, they win five straight, five and one on this homestand. Uh, besides Wednesday's, um, you know, developments, you know, despite the loss on Wednesday, is a highly successful homestand. But again, The Braves just have struggled in that scenario. Series finales on day games. Hopefully we won't see that happen too many times in the playoffs. Uh, But the thing that stands out is that it was a bit of a disappointing end to what was a highly successful homestand. But I will say that despite the fact that the end result was a bit disappointing and that the fact that the Braves weren't able to tie the Mets at the top of the NL East, there were a couple of positive takeaways and relevant takeaways as well. Bryce Elder. Once again, called on to make a spot start in the home stretch of a season, in the middle of a highly contested division race. For the third time in a month, Bryce Elder stepped up and stood out when he was called upon. 5.2 innings pitch, four hits allowed, only one earned run, two walks, six strikeouts. Now, at the end of the day, things need to remain in context. This is now 18 and two-thirds innings that Bryce Elder has been able to put together over his last three starts in the majors. Over that time frame, he has 22 strikeouts in 18 and two-thirds innings. And he's pitched well enough to win all three games. Now, again, to remain in context, two have been against the Marlins and one has come against the Nationals. But compared to where Bryce Elder was at the beginning of the season, it's significant that he has been able to put together quality starts, both literally and in general, quality starts each of the three times that he's been called upon to be a spot starter. The point that I'm getting at is, is that Bryce Elder is not likely to make an impact in the playoffs this year. But the success that he has had, even though it's clearly a small sample size, the success that he's had, I think, makes him relevant to For the starting rotation beyond this year, I'm not saying he has a guaranteed spot in the starting rotation for 2023, but I do think that he at least is an option. I think that he's shown that if the Braves were to go into next season and find themselves in a place where they need someone to step in and rely on to fill out the starting rotation for a significant period of time, Bryce Elder has shown that he could be that guy potentially next year, because you're going to have plenty of question marks. Wascar Yanoa you know, is not going to be available next year. Mike Soroka, though he's back in pitching, you know, he's had his struggles on his rehab assignment, and, and you hope that he'll be back to, you know, close, somewhat close to what he was before his injury issues. Ian Anderson has dealt with inconsistencies and now injuries as well. What does the future hold for Charlie Morton? I'm not saying that Bryce Elder is going to be the Braves' number three or four starter next year and start game three of the playoffs in 2023 and the Braves make it. Don't get me wrong. But I do think that it is a very positive development that Bryce Elder, I think, has at least worked his way into the picture, the picture of the Braves' starting rotation plans for the future as an option if he needs to be called upon for a significant stretch. We see it nearly every season for the majority of teams in the major leagues. An unexpected source comes in and has to be relied upon for, you know, weeks, months at a time, and I think that Elder could fill that role for the Braves next year, and based off his performances in this season, I think he could do a pretty good job. So that definitely is a positive development for one of the Braves' more intriguing Young arms. And also, I don't think that it should be ignored. Not seeing anybody's ignoring it, but I do think another significant development is this. Ronald Acuna Jr. had nearly has now put together nearly a thousand OPS over the past seven games. A v- highly successful homestand for him in terms of his production at the plate. And despite that small stretch towards the end of August, where he was dealing with, you know, his knee not, with his knee hurting, he had to play DH for 10 to 12 straight games. Once he now is healed, we're starting to see Ronald Acuna Jr. when his knee is cooperating. We're seeing Ronald, the Ronald Acuna Jr. of old for much of August when his knee was going well. He was producing nearly an 850 to 900 OPS. Again, has produced nearly 1,000 OPS over the past week. So Ronald Acuna Jr., when his knee is cooperating, we're starting to see him be more consistently the Ronald Acuna Jr. of old. Obviously, the hope is is that his knee will cooperate through the rest of the season, and then hopefully after a regular offseason, he'll be back to normal to start next year. But the big key is, is that when Ronald Acuna Jr., is healthy. When he's at near full health right now, he's starting to show that he can consistently put together performances like the Ronald Acuna Jr. of old. And make no mistake, that's highly significant because if we're getting the Ronald Acuna Jr. of old to add to the Michael Harris that we've seen over the past six weeks, that is a one-two combination that could be enough offensively to make the difference in a playoff series for the Braves. So with Ronald Acuna Jr. starting to look like his old self more often, and again, a lot of it has to do with how his knee cooperates as the rest of the season progresses. If the Braves can have Ronald Acuna Jr. performing like his old self more often than not at the top of the order, and the Braves can have Michael Harris performing near an MVP level at the bottom of the order... That's a heck of a 1-2 combination, and possibly one of the best 1-2 combinations in the outfield in baseball right now. Not saying they're the best, but they can play to that level, and we're seeing it more often than some might think as of recent, and it's great to see. Obviously, that's been one of the big reasons why the Braves have been able to maintain the pace at which they're winning, despite the fact that Dansby Swanson and Austin Riley and Matt Olson have had their struggles. But one of the things that occurred this week was that Michael Harris now has reached his 100th game in terms of a career milestone. He's played now 100 games in the major leagues. And I'm here to tell you that the level of production that he has put together, which, you know, we've talked about how special he's been, not only when you look at him as a rookie, but he literally has been one of the best offensive producers in baseball over the past six weeks. But now when you expand it out and you start to compare the level of production that Michael Harris has put together in the first 100 games of his career, it becomes even more impressive as to what he's doing. Because there's one other player in Major League Baseball history that has produced at the level offensively that Michael Harris has in his first 100 games. I'm talking about in terms of You know, hits overall, extra base hits, steals, runs, RBIs. The one other player that has performed to the level or better that Michael Harris has in each of those categories through the first 100 games of his career, Fernando Tatis Jr. That is the other, that is the only other player who in terms of extra base hits, OPS, overall hits, runs, RBIs. I know that that's a very specific stat, but the point that I'm bringing up is is that when you just talk about overall offensive production, what Michael Harris has done through the first 100 games in his career, only Fernando Tatis Jr. has really either equaled or eclipsed that to start a career. Now, I'm not saying that Michael Harris has had the best start to his career of any baseball player in Major League history. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I am saying That it's very rare to see someone have this much success, as much success as Michael Harris has had. And when you start to look at him being compared to players like Fernando Tatis Jr. in terms of how he's starting his career, that starts to put a bit of context on just how valuable and special Michael Harris has been. And if the Braves can have Harris continue close to the level that he's playing, go into the playoffs. And you can get Ronald Acuna Jr. if he can maintain his health and play at the level that he's playing. Think about those two going the way that they are. And if one of Swanson or Riley or Olsen can get going as well, the Braves offense can play with anybody. That Braves offense can be the difference-making aspect that wins them a series. That's how special the combination of Acuna Jr. and Harris can be. And hopefully, we'll be able to continue to see them play at this level as we close out the season. Hopefully, that's a big reason why we win the division and win some more in October. But first, got to take care of business when it comes to this weekend. And it's going to be a bit of deja vu. That is absolutely the best way to put it. Because this past weekend, when the Braves welcomed the Phillies, to Atlanta. Last Friday, the pitching matchup was Max Fried versus Rangers Juarez. Last Saturday, it was Aaron Nola versus Jake Odorizzi. And last Sunday, it was Spencer Strider versus Bailey Falter. Well, this time around, we're going to see it again. Tomorrow night, it'll be Max Fried and Rangers Juarez. Both pitchers are literally going to be starting against each other for the second straight time in as many starts. You don't usually see that. And then again, Aaron Nola, Jay you are going to be doing the same thing on Friday night. Now, a bit of a change going into Saturday. Instead of Spencer Strider, who it was announced earlier this week that since Bryce Elder started on Wednesday, Strider's spot in the rotation would be skipped. It'll be Kyle Wright versus Bailey Falter on Saturday. And then on Sunday, it'll be Charlie Morton versus Kyle Gibson. Now, the good thing is that the Braves don't have to worry about facing Zach Wheeler, and yes, the Braves just came off of sweeping the Phillies over the weekend in Atlanta. The Braves did a very good job of limiting the Phillies' offense, but I have a sneaky suspicion that Atlanta's offense is going to have to be playing at a top-notch level this weekend series would be a great time for Matt Olson to break out of his slump, for Austin Riley to have you know a few defining moments to 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 make you know his end of the season really get going again, Dansby Swanson getting some clutch hits, it would be a great time for one of the Braves' better bats who have not been performing that well as of late to step up. That is a big thing, hopefully, that will, that's a big thing to watch out for over the weekend because the Mets are continuing to benefit from an easy series, though they've not done that well. The Mets will be in Oakland over the weekend facing off against the Athletics, so the Braves are going to be facing the significantly better competition But they obviously can take care of business if their offense and the bullpen can support the starting staff with some success. So a very successful homestand. Obviously not the best ending to things. But, you know, hey, we kind of gotten used to that by now. But a great opportunity for the Braves as they get back on the road to find some success heading to Philly. And obviously with, you know, these pitching matchups occurring once again, You really can make an argument that the Braves have the upper hand in three out of these four matchups. Hopefully they'll win at least three out of four over the weekend. And We'll be back with you tomorrow to discuss the opening game of the Braves versus the Phillies on the Daily Hammer, which you can find on the Battery Power Podcast along with the, or on the Battery Power Podcast Network with the Battery Power Podcast, the Road to Atlanta Podcast, and the podcast to be named later all at batterypower.com, at batterypower SVN across all forms of social media, and free on all podcast platforms. My name is Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you again soon here on The Daily Hammer.